And tonight we're going to look and talk about baptism. So I'd ask you to go over to the book of Acts, chapter number 8, as we consider together baptism and what the Word of God has to say about it. Acts, chapter number 8. As we said, appreciated the service this morning. I'm thankful when God fills us up. And, uh, man, just a blessing to my, my soul to be with you this morning and thankful for how he touched me specifically. And uh, he just proves over and over it's all about him. Amen. Amen. Acts chapter number 8. We'll begin reading... Let's see. Let's look at verse 26 in Acts 8, verse 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Esaias the prophet, or Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him. Read the prophet Esaias, and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except some, some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shear, so open he not his mouth. There's Isaiah 53 is what he was reading. Uh, we are just talking about Isaiah and how much we love Isaiah 53. And that's what this man's reading. He's reading the gospel. Amen. I lost my place. Verse 33. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the, the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he, and he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord called away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Let us pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for this time together, this church, and these people who have gathered together to hear your word tonight. We pray that you would touch us as we share the gospel of your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, as we try to walk closer with you, Lord, as a church in our own understanding, as Christian people, Lord, we could all benefit to revisit the truths of the promises and 
the ordinances of your word, but God, maybe we're not familiar with it. I pray that you'd help illuminate the truth to us tonight. We love you, Lord. We care for uh, our church members and church friends that are not with us tonight. We pray that you would just touch them and bless them. And God, we pray that you would be a light, Lord, if there's anyone lost here tonight, that they might come to know you before it's eternally too late, Lord, and of a specific burden of someone uh, in, in our heart and our mind that needs Jesus, we pray for them tonight. We love you, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, I love Acts chapter 8. I, I use this text for a number of different things. And it's amazing. You can use this text uh, to present the gospel to someone. And uh, I would recommend if, you're, if you want to uh, talk to somebody in the world we live in today and lead them towards Christ and point them to the cross, this is a great text. And, and I say that because it never really had stuck out to me this way, but this eunuch, uh, the gospel was preached to him, but this eunuch, he, they passed water, and, and the eunuch was obviously familiar with the Christian baptism. And he says, you know, uh, what, what's preventing me or what's stopping me from being baptized? So this eunuch might not have been uh, familiar with the gospel of Jesus and its great detail, but he was familiar with baptism. And is that not truth of the, true of the world? That the world is familiar in, in most cases with the customs or the practices of the Christian church, um, but they're just not yet been acquainted with Jesus. And so that's an amazing thought I never really had seen, but uh, blows my mind how the Lord illuminated uh, this text. And as we look through this, we think a lot of people you come across, they're familiar with what the church does, but not familiar with who the church is about. And so this is a great text to present the gospel because uh, people see and uh, see things and they think things. Well, if I, if I do this, I'll be a Christian. Or if I do that, I'll be a Christian when uh, it all relies on knowing Jesus. That's the most important aspect. Uh, that's the only aspect, the only way. And so it is certainly usable to pre present the gospel. Um, it's, it's also usable in a conversation about baptism, as we'll share tonight. This text teaches us, I believe, the process and the practice of baptism and why we, uh, why we do it, and most importantly in this text, the order in which we do baptism. We, we do not baptize uh, before uh, salvation. We believe that uh, if someone comes to know Jesus Christ, it's after they repent, after they accept Jesus, that they are baptized. We believe that's an ordinance. We, we follow that as an ordinance. We believe that, that you are abiding and, and following by the Word of God when we participate in those things. Uh, we also, I would use this to defend why we don't believe in infant baptism um, is because uh, uh, it, it requires salvation. It requires redemption of someone who knows they're lost and they're going to hell. Um, you say, well, what about the infants? I believe they're in Jesus' hands, no doubt. Uh, they're held by him. Uh, they don't have to, I believe, at that tender little tiny age, they don't have to accept him, and they don't need to be baptized to get into heaven. If he were to take a little infant home, they do not need to be baptized. They do not need to accept him because they're so innocent. They do not yet know uh, right from wrong as far as the spiritual sense. And so that's a wonderful promise, and I believe we can uh, defend why I stand there from this text. Also, uh, what you can defend from this text is the King James Version Bible. And I preached a message using this text, uh, thinking about the King James Bible and how uh, you can compare other versions, and you'll see verse... Um, it's verse uh, 20, let's see, 37 is, is omitted 
from many other versions. And the next few weeks, we will come to that, Lord willing, looking at, at the King James Version. But uh, verse 37 is omitted from many versions, and it is a footnote at the bottom of these other versions of the Bible. And so I, that's why I believe and, and hold to the King James Version Bible. And so there's a lot that, that this, this, this scripture will do. It also, man, it also uh, can can connect you to the Old Testament and show uh, how Jesus is uh, shining through the Old Testament uh, in, in the gospel. So, I mean, Acts 8 is pretty awesome. Amen. I think there's a, it, it's, it's the Swiss Army knife of Bible verses. I mean, you just, you got a screwdriver, you got a knife, you got a bottle opener, you got uh, pliers, you got the whole nine yards right here in Acts 8. I love it. But tonight, and we'll see how far we get tonight, we're going to look at baptism. It's an ordinance of the church. We believe that it's set up and established by our own Savior, Jesus Christ, who himself was baptized. And uh, we believe that's an ordinance. That's why we follow it. That's why we abide by it. And my grandfather, I believe, said it best. I've heard him say this my whole life. It's an outward expression of an inward decision. You may have heard that said before. Uh, but it's an outward expression of an inward decision. You show you're identifying yourself with Jesus Christ, but we'll look a little deeper into what that means shortly uh, in, in this message. Baptism is not a deal breaker. It does not. Uh, you don't have to be baptized to get into heaven. People say, well, why, why would you believe that? Well, they didn't take the man beside Jesus down off the cross and baptize him. Amen? Um, it, it, it's not... Uh, vital to your salvation, but it is an act of obedience to participate in believers' baptism. And so it's important that we realize that this is a symbol of a genuinely converted Christian. It's not a, uh, just a, a societal symbol. We'll look at that in just a moment. It's a, genuine, it's a symbol for a genuine Christian to say that you've been laid down with Jesus Christ, that you've been cleansed and washed by his blood, that you've been uh, resurrected through his power in essence of your accepting him. I like what Adrian Rogers said. He said, baptism isn't incidental, but it is fundamental. In essence, it is very important while we know that uh, not, they're, they're not looking for your, your baptismal certificate to get you into heaven. It is important. It's a fundamental truth of the Word of God. As we said, our own Savior, uh, he participated in baptism. He established it. He created that ordinance. And so the question of baptism we find here in Acts 8, verse 36. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And that's the question today is in many churches and many circles and many groups of people, why, why can't I participate? Why can't I be um, a part of that? Why can't I be baptized? And so tonight I preach to you this thought of the three types of baptismal certificates that exist in this world. Three types of baptismal certificates that exist in this world. And we've got a number that need to be baptized, and we're going to work on getting that scheduled, and, and I'm going to talk to the deacons and try to find out a time that's going to work for everything. We'll try to get this scheduled. But I think some of you maybe that, that will be baptized shortly. This is a great uh, time to have a fresh understanding and have some Scripture references to baptism. And we know this question. We have all, at this point in, in, in history, I'd say we've all wondered, 
baptism. When will I be baptized? Or, or maybe why do we be baptized? What's, what's, what's the question of baptism? The question is, what stops me from being baptized? And that's what this Ethiopian eunuch says. He says, what doth hinder me to be baptized? What prevents me from going down into that water and being baptized? See, that was his association with Christianity. And if we're not careful, and, and people have done this, that's what's presented to the world as the requirement to be a Christian, to be baptized. Uh, we've also taken uh, something, uh, we take church membership, and we've put church membership up there with baptism. Uh, you, well, what do I, you know, what's, what's most important in the eyes of people? Well, membership equals numbers, and baptism is something to put on the Internet for a lot of people. And that's just the truth. It's, a, it's, it's become something that, that it's almost gimmicky in some places, and I don't mean that to be mean. Um, it's, it's just it's, it's been turned into something for some churches and some people that is not what it was intended to be. It's intended for you to identify yourself with Jesus in front of other Christians and other, other believers to say that you're, you're dying to the old man and you're being raised up in Jesus Christ. And to, to participate in baptism without truly and genuinely being converted, it, it's, it's like participating in communion without truly and genuinely being converted. It's an important thing. That's why it's fundamental. It's not just an, an incident that, that, that this was established. But the question is, what, what stops me from being baptized? Well, Peter replies, verse 37, and Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. So Philip, Philip, I said Peter, excuse me, I'm sorry. Uh, Philip, he says, if thou believest with all thine heart, it requires a relationship with Jesus. It means that, that, that the Holy Ghost has dealt with you about your sin, you've been convicted of your sin, You've, re you've confessed and repented for your sins, and you've accepted Jesus as your Savior. That's who can participate in baptism. That's the only, only people that, that just, just like communion, another ordinance established by, by, by Jesus Christ, that's the only people who have any business participating in baptism is those that, that, that believe on Jesus Christ. And he does that, and Philip, they, they stopped the chariot. They went down both into the water, this is why we believe in full immersion baptism. They both went down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. So this is why I don't believe in, I believe that they practiced full immersion baptism rather than sprinkling is because they went down into the water. They didn't go, the Bible is specific, amen? God is particular. God will tell us if they do things a certain way. He would have inspired the writer here to tell us and explain the process because God knew when he was inspiring the authorship of this word that we today, 2,000 years later, would be using it to, to, to guide the way we practice in this church. Amen? So he said they went down into the water. Not Philip gathered up some water. That's, I believe that's what the word would have said if that's what he meant, is to gather up some water and sprinkle them with water. They went down into the water. We'll give some more scripture on that later. The three types of baptismal certificates. Public identification with Christ is greatly sought after. It could be sought after for a means of societal satisfaction, self-satisfaction, 
but hopefully scriptural satisfaction. The first type of baptismal certificate that exists out there is societal satisfaction. Societal. In other words, I have been a part of baptism or I have done uh, my, my due diligence to be baptized because that is what is cool in society. Baptism, it satisfies a natural instinct to be accepted either by a church or Christian people. If you ask a lot of people, they would identify their baptism over their relationship with Christ, I believe. I remember, anybody remember the, the, the Motorola Razor, like the original Razor? So, school, little school Josh, I remember going to school, I didn't have a Motorola Razor. Now, you wasn't cool if you didn't have a Razor in school now. I mean, you had to have it. Everybody had it. See, I didn't grow up with everybody had to have it kind of mom and dad. I had a, you get what you get, you're always provided, provided for, you eat, kind of mom and dad. I get to live. That was my allowance growing up. So I get to live. You, I heard somebody say that. And I'm like, that's so good. People talk about getting allowance. I was allowed to live. Amen. I'm like, your parents paid you? Yeah. My goodness. Hey, I got to live. But that was kind of, you were shunned in society if you didn't have a Motorola razor. That don't mean a hill of beans today, does it? Don't mean a thing. I think they come back out with one. Ain't nobody got one. Everybody's got an Apple. Now you ain't got an Apple or you ain't got an Android. Well, depending on what side of the, what denomination you are, you get shunned by the other side. We seek societal satisfaction and people, because I don't have something, because I don't have that new phone. See, my mama had a razor and when it was wore out, I'd have took it, but it was pink. I ain't going to do that. That's worse. Then, it don't matter now, that was, that was bad then. But we can seek to be accepted by society by what we have, what we own, what we wear, what we drive, what we do, what we live in, and, and, and it's the wrong reason to do anything for societal satisfaction. You see, we desire to be accepted. People come into church, and what has everybody else in here got that they don't? Church membership and a baptismal certificate. Oftentimes those things are looked at or valued by some people over the relationship with Jesus. And so people agree to be baptized because it, it, it ticks off a box to be accepted by the society of their church. Because somebody else has got something they ain't got. And they're weird if they ain't got what the other person has. Right? Societal satisfaction. The second time a baptismal certificate that exists, exists out there is self-satisfaction. You see, this certificate is, is dangerous because there is a desire by that individual to make themselves feel better by being baptized. If, if I do this, I'm satisfying myself into feeling like I'm okay. Just like the people with the church membership certificates that make themselves feel okay. Well, I'm a member of the Baptist church down there. Oh, yes, oh, yes, I've been a member there my whole life. People like that, if you're not careful, stand before God, and that's all you got to show. And so the baptismal certificate, there's just, I don't know where mine is. Anybody got one laying around? 
I don't, I don't know where mine is. It went away a long time ago. But see, I don't possess a societal baptismal certificate. I don't possess a, a self-satisfaction baptismal certificate. I possess a scriptural satisfaction baptismal certificate. i got a lot of words going tonight. And so it's not for society. It's not for self. It's because of Scripture. It's not to make anybody, any of you think I'm something. It's not to make any of you think that I've done something. It's not to make me feel like I'm okay or, or I'm, I'm on a higher rung of this ladder because I've been baptized. I have my baptismal certificate because I believe that's what Scripture tells me to do. What's the institution of baptism? We've seen the question of baptism and the different types of baptism. But what's the institution of baptism? Matthew 28, we see Jesus say, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. That's where we get our terminology when we go to baptize. Amen? That's why we baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. is because Jesus told us, he commanded us to go and to, to teach all nations about him. And when they believe upon them and when they are converted, what does he tell us to do? He tells us to baptize, to identify those people that they can see that something's changed, that they can identify that someone has made a decision. That they, have, they can identify that someone has believed on Jesus Christ. The command of baptism. And then the example of baptism. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. That's Matthew 3.13. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. So the example of baptism is that our Savior participated in baptism because he ain't going to ask us to do anything he hasn't done himself. Anybody know that about a good manager, a good supervisor? The most effective leaders in church, in sports, in, in, in work, in school are people that will not ask you to do something that either you haven't seen them do it or that... They won't do themselves. They won't do, they won't ask you to do something that they haven't done or that they haven't done themselves. Jesus exemplifies this in his life. Most, I believe most importantly, and this is, this is because of the deity of Jesus Christ, this is because of his pure blood, this is because he is God-made man, is that he resisted temptation and sin. He, he, he commands us to flee from the devil. He commands us to resist temptation and, and, and to, to fight sin. And, 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 hey, we're flesh. We're going to fail. We're going to fall short. Amen. But he himself completely and 100% resisted all sin. And so he has proven it can be done. Now, I cannot achieve what Jesus did because the blood inside of me is redeemed blood. It's not, it's not God's blood. He has, he's forgiven me. He has cleansed me. He has made me clean. He's made me whole, but I'm not God. I cannot fully and completely resist sin, but he's proven that it can be done, and I should strive to be like him 
And that means I flee from the devil and that I fight sin and I resist sin and I run from sin and, 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 I, and I seek to overcome sin through Jesus, my Savior. And so he's proven it can be done. And that is why I can strive for it. And so he sets an example in sin. And then in baptism, he goes and he himself is baptized. And so he sets an example for us to go participate and do the same thing. Then, you see, they participate in the Lord's Supper. See, Jesus did things, and what he asked of us to do, he has done them, and he's proven they can be done. He doesn't ask me to do wild, superhuman things. My, my son watches Bible Man. Anybody ever heard of Bible Man? Yeah. You got little kids, you're going to just wait. You ain't got little kids, just wait. You're going you're gonna to hear a Bible Man. God doesn't ask me to be Bible man and go do superhuman things. I'm just, God asked me to be Josh and love Jesus. But he's proven that we can resist sin. He's shown the example of himself in the example of baptism, being laid down, cleansed and washed and being resurrected. He's shown the dedication and the obedience in the Lord's Supper. He's shown those things that I can do. And the things which I can't do, which is get up and walk out of the grave, he's achieved those things. And I get to participate in those benefits because he is who he said he was. And all those things that he said that he would do, baptism, the things such as the, the Lord's Supper, resisting the devil and fleeing from sin, all those things he's achieved, all those things he's exemplified for us, he's asking me a very little to do is to try to resist sin. The debt that I owe, and he tells me to flee from sin and resist the devil, that's a, that's a small price to pay. And I'll never be able to perfect it, but I strive for it. I strive for it. Baptism, he asked me to participate in baptism because he lays down the example of baptism. Once again, he humbles himself, and he's baptized by an unworthy sinner. What a beautiful and wonderful picture that is of his love and his humility. And even we see in the Lord's Supper, the other ordinance that we follow is the Baptist church. How he establishes it, how he uses wonderful examples of his body and his blood. How he uses wonderful examples in baptism for us to see Jesus. That's what it ultimately comes back to, is we see Jesus. But it's our Savior that gives the example of baptism. In Acts 2 and verse 41, the early church practices baptism. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. This, this early church was following Jesus' words from Matthew 28. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Guess what the early church was doing? The early church was baptizing those that believed on Jesus. So that's the example of baptism in our Savior. Well, he commanded us. He exemplified it in the fact that he went down to be baptized himself. And we see that the early church practiced and participated in baptism. Now, we don't do everything exactly like the early church. They haven't for many, many years. Nobody has for many, many years. We, I mean, we're ways down the, down the line from the early church. Very different. I, I, I can only imagine what it would be like to participate in a service here at Mountain View and for us to pack the band up, go 
and go play for the early church. Could you imagine? They didn't have a mandolin. They didn't have a, they didn't have a washboard, I'd say. They didn't have a preacher that can't hardly speak English. They didn't speak English anyway, so it would be all right. It would be a different experience. But we see those ordinances that were commanded and laid out and exemplified through Jesus. We see those ordinances followed by the early church, and we follow those things today. Why? Because Jesus told us to do it. Not because of tradition. Not because it's just tradition. Now, I love, I love, love, love country baptizing. Amen. We had that in July. Lord willing, we're going to do it again this year. I love that. Something about that growing up. See, and I'm a city boy. I got baptized in the baptistry. Right. I mean, don't feel right. I, I wanted to get baptized again when I was down there on the creek. But most of the baptisms I went to were down by the creek. I love the tradition. Just, just country people meeting by the river, singing hymns a cappella, preacher preaching in the middle of the creek, his pants rolled up to his knees. I love that. But we're not doing it for tradition. We didn't do what we did this year for tradition. Last year. This year we won't do what we did, Lord willing, for tradition. I pray that he'll convict us and that we would stop if we ever do it just for tradition. But, but we do it because it was commanded by Jesus. He exemplified it and he participated in it. And the early church followed what he said. Why? Not because of tradition. They didn't have tradition. They were following right after the footsteps of Jesus. That's what we should be doing today. Example of baptism, the practice of baptism, the inspiration of baptism. The book of Romans, let's actually turn there if you don't mind, Romans 6. I know I've got a lot of references and I am trying to go slow. Romans 6. So I know we're a little all over the place. And I don't like doing that every time, but a subject like this, sometimes you have to go to different books for references. But the inspiration of baptism. Romans 6, verse 3. Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we sh also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be we shall also we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. So this is the inspiration of baptism. This is the symbolism of the baptism. See, this word baptism, it literally means to plunge or to dunk, is what that word baptize means. The Bible teaches that you should be baptized in water by immersion rather by sprinkling. Only immersion correctly pictures baptism as Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. If it's symbolism, then we want to do it right. Amen? We want to do it the right way. To be sprinkled on does not fully exemplify what Jesus was intending baptism to exemplify. 
It exemplifies in the fact that we dunk someone down, that they plunge down, that they lay down, that they die to themselves. As Jesus, our Savior, gave his last breath for the church. And then we see in the water, the beauty and the wonder of the water, that it washes and that it cleanses. I know people that went to Israel, they've got baptized in the Jordan, where our Savior was baptized, and they tell you it's the dirtiest, nastiest water you've ever seen. It'd be the equivalent to going down... This may not mean a lot to, to much of you, but then again, it probably does. You go down to Woodfin over on our side of the world and go down to MSD down in Woodfin, which has been known for letting a little bit of some stuff out into the water over the years, and going and getting in the French broad down there and being baptized. It's dirty. It's nasty. It's unsavory. But even still, is not the world dirty and nasty and unsavory? Yet God in his love through his son Jesus Christ and his grace and his mercy because of his power and his might and who he is, he cleanses us in this dirty and dark world. And then as we see this body raised up, we see like Jesus, we're, we're, we're part of his resurrection because of his power and who he is. Not because of myself. We're telling the story of the gospel in baptism. If I were to, to sprinkle Sam here with water... It just doesn't, I don't, I don't, it doesn't exemplify, it doesn't show the example of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and there are good people that believe it does. And there are. I'm going to criticize a lot of people through discipleship. I realize that. But there's sometimes where I don't agree with them and they're good people. Sit down and have lunch with them. I'd get along with them when I, before I would some Baptist. Amen. You know Baptist. To sprinkle Sam, it doesn't show that death, burial, and resurrection. And, and I believe to do that to a child, it, has, it doesn't have the significance because that child is innocent in the aspect of, we know that child's flesh, but that innocent, it's, it's, it's innocent at that age and that stage in its life. It has not come to the age of understanding and knowing the right and the wrong spiritually. I'm rebelling and I'm sinning against God. My little children have not come to that age yet. So it doesn't have a symbolistic significance until they realize they need Jesus and they repent and they ask him to save them. And then, in symbolism, they participate in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What a beautiful picture it is, and I believe we should strive to do it the right way. And so that's the inspiration of baptism. The problem... The process of baptism in John 1 and 26, John answered them saying, I baptize with water. And in Mark 1, verse 9 and 10, and it came, pass, it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in the Jordan. And straightway coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens open and the spirit like a dove descending upon him. Part of the process of baptism and, and, and why we believe that we're fully immersed in our baptism comes from Mark 10 and straightway coming up out of the water. We see Philip and the eunuch in Acts 8. What did it say they did? They went down into the water. And then we see the reference here in Mark 1.10 and straightway coming up out of the water. The water. And that tells me that 
the process of this takes place by fully immersing someone and raising them up out of the water. You say, well, I don't know why we get caught up on all this stuff. I don't know why this is important. You know why it's important is because Jesus did it. And Jesus exemplified it for us. Jesus commanded the church to do this. Go to Matthew 28. The words are in red. Where he says to go into all nations and teach them and to baptize them. That's why we do it. That's why it matters. That's why the, the, the process that we do it. Now, it's, hey, it may not be perfect. Our, 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 uh, our Lord's Supper is not exactly down to the T the way everybody else has ever done it. But it's not all about the exact down to a T process that we say certain things and we, 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 have, we have vain babblings for everything. We don't need to have vain babblings just to, just to do things. We don't have to say the same prayer every time. We don't have to be in the same order. You don't have to be sitting in the same seat uh, every time we take the Lord's Supper. It's the fact that we realize the symbolism. It's not lost on us, and we do it because Jesus said to do it. And, and it's, been, it's been lost to, to a number of people, such as baptism. The symbolism is so great. It does not get you into heaven, but you are identifying yourself with Jesus Christ. You're saying that you have been washed with his blood, that you've taken part in that death and that you will take part in his resurrection, that you realize that you've accepted him. And that's a mighty heavy thing for someone that doesn't know Jesus to participate and to take on. And so baptism, we must be cautious, must be careful that we're serious when we participate in it. We've all seen the videos and maybe catch, just, just catch us off guard and it, and it would make us laugh, the, the kid doing a cannonball into the baptism pool. We've all seen that. And I mean, there's some stuff, it's just funny. But it, it's, it also grieves my heart that we don't take it seriously. That that's, that's what it is for people. And I'm not just talking, the kid does it, it's a, it's a child. But adults, you see the same thing. And that's what grieves my heart. It's one thing for a seven-year-old to do something. It's a different thing for a 27-year-old to do something. And you wonder how serious do these people take it and how seriously has it been presented. It's a serious thing. And we participate in it. And just like the, the, just like the Lord's Supper, we need to be sure that we're worthy, not in ourselves, but who lives within us makes us worthy to participate. And so it grieves our heart what we see. And then... The society, the idea, it's not my responsibility to determine if someone, I can't, I, can't, I don't, only you and God know if you know Jesus. I'm not going to do a baptismal interview to figure out if you know Jesus. I will talk to you about it. If you're serious about it and you have a testimony, I'll baptize somebody, amen? But it's between you and God. And if you participate in something so serious, be sure but you know Jesus. All of us, every single last one of us, baptism and the Lord's Supper, those are ordinances given by our Savior. Let's be sure that we're worthy, not in ourselves, but because of Jesus who dwells within us to participate. What a beautiful thing we see here, too, in 
the book of Romans, verse 4, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also should walk in newness of life. The beautiful thing it is to see a believer who has accepted Christ as their Savior and they participate in this ordinance of baptism. And if we are sensitive about it and we're serious about it and we we're humble about it, we can truly grasp walking away from that experience and what the significance of that means. The moment that you accept Jesus as your Savior, you're going to heaven. Not when you get baptized. But what a beautiful thing it is when you participate in something that our Savior told us to do and you walk away and know, I've been obedient to Jesus and I've died and been resurrected with Jesus. You were just recently baptized. It's a wonderful feeling. It's a beautiful thing. It's, it's wonderful to see. And you see people and, and, and you see their, their emotion because the significance is not lost on them. And that's why it grieves my heart when people don't take it seriously. So it's a beautiful thing that we walk away in the newness of life. And that takes place of salvation. But it's exemplified and identified and it's obedient to participate and show the world that in baptism. Philip, they, they stopped the chariot. So what stopped, what, uh, that, that, that eunuch, he says, what, what doth hinder me? Why can't I be baptized? Philip had presented the gospel to him, no doubt. Had presented repentance to him. And he, that eunuch, he accepts Jesus as his Savior. They stopped the chariot. The only thing hindering him was believing on Jesus Christ. And they go down into the water and he baptizes him. And that eunuch goes off joyful and happy and cheerful, not because of his baptism, but because of accepting Jesus as his Savior. That's the key, is knowing Jesus. It's not about anything else. We want to be obedient to him, but we must know Jesus as our Savior. I often think about that eunuch. Such different background, different culture, man of high standing. He's from Ethiopia. Different background, different culture, different experience. But he had a copy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What an amazing thing. You see, that's why it's important that we give Bibles and tracts out to people. What are, you, what are you talking about? You realize this man of high standing, somebody somewhere, he, he came into possession of the word of God. And because of God's divine providence, it was the gospel. They didn't give him the genealogies of the Jewish people. They gave him the gospel of Jesus Christ in Isaiah 53. What a beautiful and wonderful thing that is. God knows what to put in our hands. But I believe there was somebody obedient somewhere that passed along the word of God. Somehow, some way, maybe out of curiosity, he went into a he went somewhere and, and got in come into possession of these scrolls and just out of his curiosity. What an amazing thing it is that God's word is presented at the perfect and the right time. Philip was a Baptist, amen. And he made it happen fast. That was fast service right there. 
I love Isaiah 53. I told you recently, I get excited about it no matter what. I'm just excited that it was mentioned. Love it. Beautiful thing. I love God's Word. 